You probably know these people. Why don't you connect with them on LinkedIn as well? <laughs> Just look at all the business connections you could have. Hello and welcome to The Fizzle Show. We've built our businesses as independent entrepreneurs. And in this show, we talk all about the hows, whys, whats, tips, tricks, and lessons learned towards the goal that you don't have some list or some set of rules to follow, but rather some sort of an internal fire, spark of some kind, some insight to help you get to the next level. Your hosts are Corbett Barr. If we were cliche wedding songs, you know, the, the songs that you always dance to at weddings, if we were those, Corbett would be the Macarena, Latin, systematic, and weirdly sophisticated for such a cheesy song. Caleb Logic, he'd be the chicken dance. Tall, yellow, and just lanky enough to make that goofy look good. And me, Chase Reeves. I'd be the B-52's love shack, because I'm goofy, I'm fabulous, and mostly interested in talking about sex. In this episode, it's March. March is email month at The Fizzle Show and The Spark Line. Welcome to March, everyone. Let's talk about some email stuff. In this, the first episode of the email series, uh, we get down to the foundation. If you want to do email right, you've got to start with the right foundation. And that's what we get into in this episode, along with a bonus, our best tips on managing your inbox. We got some good ones. I'll be back after this conversation to fill in any gaps. So let's get into it. Guys, how you doing? Not too shabby. Not too shabby. We tried to, listener, dear dear listener, we tried to record this yesterday and uh, and Corbett's Mexican Wi-Fi. That is not a racial comment. He's literally in Mexico. Uh, kind, it just sort of was on the fritz, and so Corbett, you got it all worked out now, hey? Sort of. I had to move locations. This is this is not as glamorous as you would hope. Like living in a foreign country in the winter. I had to move locations. I could see. I could see the video diary. Like any day in Mexico, trying to get some work done, I had to shift locations today. It looked like the feds were getting hot on my tail, and the federales were getting greedy kind of threw me off actually it gets a little bit annoying after a while dealing with bandwidth in other countries and i feel for people listening to this who live in a country all year round with bandwidth because we kind of get used to having decent bandwidth in the u.s and um it actually made me kind of angry last night and i know you were threw me off kind of threw me off for a little while to be honest you know what we're we're corbett we fully we fully accept and, and and appreciate you living in mexico so you don't just because the internet craps out one day yeah there's going to be some hiccups you're fine we're caleb you were good with Lee yesterday right i was fine i <laughs> i was fine i was fine <laughs> but when i was in italy i was so frustrated by internet too corbett yeah, yeah. The airbnb we were in for like the main three week stint in rome just the internet was for awful. a while it, it didn't even work right like you had days. to go downstairs or something yeah so we would go down on the curb now, what I would do is I would open mail, I would walk downstairs to the curb, steal Wi-Fi, walk upstairs to our place on the fifth floor, do all my email, then walk down and send it all. I know. Life. <laughs> I'll be damned. You know, Italians and Mexicans, they know how to party, which means you might not get much work done, is what I'm picking up. We're getting really good at those pauses. <laughs> <laughs> I just loved the idea of like the baby boomer in the car just driving like with the what and then turning it way up. Yeah. Like, and by the way, when I when I say that, it's it's my it's like my dad. It's yeah. my, like if you would ever He's if like you could figure out the, tapping on the radio, <laughs> if he could figure out how to make a podcast work, he, he would be real confused about. You guys cut out there for a second. He'd talk to it. Hey, Tiger, Tiger, you cut out for a second. <laughs> he thinks should, the podcast is Skype. We should probably end a sew block with some really loud noise, just in yeah. case somebody turns it up. Just a big bang. Hold on. I'm moving my little stool. Got it. Got it. Are you guys drinking anything? Corbett, you're in a coffee shop in in, well, in Mexico. It's, a, it's actually a closed coffee shop. So I brought in a uh, a 16-ounce Lata de Estrella. <laughs> what, oh, Lata. Is, what's Lata? A lager? What's Lata mean? Can, a can of oh, Estrella can. beer, which is um, it's not the best beer in the world, but it was the only 16-ouncer they had there, so I had to grab it. And Caleb, are you into anything right now? I am not. I am not. I'm still unpacking my boxes. I am, uh, Corbett, I've never tried this before. I'm too sweet vermouth and soda. <coughs> for what? like a, 
for like a low a low boozy al- afternoon cocktail. What? So you could do Campari and soda. Sure. What kind of uh, what kind of vermouth? Uh, are well, we talking about? I didn't want to spring for my Antica. I was like, ah, I but just like that. That's the time to drink it. When I know, but it. actually, I've, I got Dolan as well, so okay. I went for Dolan. It's very sweet. I mean, it it really it really accentuates the sweetness of the of the sweet vermouth. Nice. Okay. Let's let's get in let's get into some of this stuff. Uh, I'm glad I, I've got to connect with you guys here. I'm just super thrilled. I've been yeah, connecting. Enough of, enough of this talking about fun stuff like living in other countries. Let's talk about email, guys. I got to be honest. Every time I get another person connect with me on LinkedIn, I feel pretty damn good. Feel like a million. Feel like a million bucks. Oh yeah, yeah. I've been it hits connecting you right with, in the pleasure center. I've been, I've been, I got to be honest. That lizard brain is just kind of giggling and going, "Ooh, don't stop." When every time someone connects with me on LinkedIn, I feel pretty fired up. And so, and, and then, you know, you click the little email thing that's like, oh, bounce, uh, like, yeah, I want to, I'll connect with this guy on LinkedIn. And then it shows you this page where it's just like 500, actually, it shows you about 15 avatars. And as you scroll down, it just keeps refreshing more and more and more and more and more people who are like, you probably know these people. Why don't you connect with them on LinkedIn as well? <laughs> just look at all the business connections you could have. <laughs> and then I just find myself like scrolling just, wondering who these people are and, I, and i've gotten into the habit of just click 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 anything that's like a second second uh you know connect what's it like two tiers of two two kevin bacons of separation or something yeah. so what do you and th- then what, what do you think that's going to get you in the end oh well first of all number one Fame and I, fortune i feel more incredible emails. i feel yeah. incredible i got more friends than ever number two i'm i'm more connected than uh, any of you two kids i'll tell you that much right now i am connected and those connections those connections that's business acumen that's business success that's personal success that's personal freedom all right that's what linkedin gets me what does linkedin get you corbett <laughs> nothing because i turned off all the notifications <laughs> so i never hear from them anymore actually it's kind of an interesting tag into the topic today because we want to talk about email. March is email month at uh, at the Sparkline and in the Fizzle Show. And what I the I got a handful of questions I want to answer today about email, like just at a high level. Like, is it is it is email still important in a social world? I'm talking about getting notifications of people who want to connect with me because because uh, because we want to we want to grow each other's businesses. We want to go real serious, real deep, real fast, real far in our business connections. We want to improve ourselves, improve our life, and improve our libido. So we're connecting with one another on LinkedIn, right? I do it through email. I get the email, I click the thing, and now I'm connecting. And then you just say, I turned off all the email notifications. Interesting. Different uh, strokes for different folks. So how do you guys want to jump into this topic today? Well, okay, why are we talking? So we're going to talk about email quite a bit this month in March. So why are we talking about email? What's what's the deal? Why isn't that isn't email something from 1997? Like, why does it matter anymore? Caleb, take a swing. I'm still on Lotus Notes. I don't know about you guys. I actually uh, haven't gotten it installed yet. Terry down in IT is still. uh... I don't think it works on Windows (laughs) 3.11 yet. (laughs) <laughs> computer jokes are our classic is email important in a social media world is my first question that i i have and, and it, it, which is more specific than the one that you, that you asked you know isn't email from 1996 who the hell uses this thing anymore and i mean from my own experience i use it every day right you use it every day corbett yep a lot of people, that's the very first thing they do yeah right. Right. And but but we also all use Twitter every day, I assume, right? And so the question is like does is email still important if people are on Twitter and Facebook and all that kind of stuff? And let's take it from maybe this standpoint. You know, there are people listening to this who have heard over and over again that email is important, building a list of people in email is important, and yet they haven't really gotten off of their arse to to handle it yet. You know, yeah. they know that it's important or they, they think they know that it's important, but maybe they haven't been convinced exactly yet. So what yeah. would you say to convince someone that email is important? Like what's, what are the hard facts about it that, that would sway someone's opinion? CW, take it away. Well, I think there's some usage things. So there's the fact that, okay, you might follow a ton of people on Twitter, but do you actually read every single tweet that everyone that you follow sends out? Like I do because I only follow 15 people. But if you followed hundreds or thousands, you're never going to see some. Tweets. Do you really only follow 15 people? Yeah. Hold on. Hold the phones. Hold the phones. Twitter.com. www.calebg. Uh, 
Zed. All right, 15 people. Who are you following? You better be following me, <laughs> Caleb Wojcik. Well, yeah, um, you guys are two of them. And then like our brands are a couple more. My yeah. wife is one. So there's really only like 10 other people. You have done some serious culling down of uh, of your of your followerships, haven't you? Well, I used to follow and then unfollow people to get more followers and stuff. That was when I didn't know how Twitter worked. And then I got it down to about 100 people, and that was fine for a while. But then... It was just another distraction to follow more and more people. So I love I love Brennan Dunn's uh, bio. Bootstrapper to the max, <laughs> <laughs> to the limit. Sounds Come like on. something a cartoon character would yell from the '90s in the intro video. Come on, the cheat. Good job. <laughs> you remember Homestar Runner? My goodness, Bootstrapper so, to the max. Sorry. So Caleb follows 15 people, but normal people probably follow oh, yeah. at least 100 I mean, maybe 200 maybe i mean a lot of people follow thousands because they're trying to up their own follower yeah counts, that's right? crazy so just i crazy. have i'm following 576 and i and i'm i'm constantly adding and subtracting things constantly so the point of that was that your email i'm sure that most people read every single email that they get yeah. even if they get a hundreds or thousands in well a, in a week I, and, so. and even that's a little too general i think where i would jump in is is actually we have we ourselves have a, have a business and we have a lot of experience with using email in business and then we have lots and lots of friends who are building their entire livelihood online and they all say the same two things number 1 oh my god i wish i would have gotten into email sooner and number 2 holy crap email performs so much better than every other channel that i connect with people on now performs in is a performing you could perform in a lot of different ways right but uh what they're t- normally talking about in that in that environment, and correct me if I'm wrong here, guys, is sales. Like if you have something to sell, you're not going to be able to sell a, a smidgen on Twitter or Facebook or Pinterest compared to what you'd be able to sell if you send out an email to a list that you've been grooming, that you've been growing in relationship and trust and creating value over time, yada, yada, yada. All this stuff is why they talk about email the way they do. Does that sound right. correct to you guys? Yeah. yeah, or even just driving traffic to new posts or podcast episodes or videos or whatever, but sales specifically, yeah. 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 I'll, I'll remember I remember a uh, some I'll have to find it. I'll find the uh, the Jason Freed uh, article that I read a while ago about, you know what? Sometimes he was talking about this he's this, one of the guys at 37 Signals founder and um, they were talking about a feature they wanted to build, build for Basecamp and after after getting into it for a while, they realized, you know what? The best way to do this feature is simply by using email. Email is the lowest common denominator of technology and communication to this day, and it's st- and we have not moved on from it. And this is something he'd written, you know, a couple years back. And I and weirdly, I weirdly we have moved on in the last couple of years. And in researching for this, I found like some studies from 2011 or something. You know, and in it's not that long ago. You know, but but the way that things have shifted online since 2011, the way now we're talking about how brands are using Snapchat and we're talking about a 16 billion dollar acquisition of WhatsApp and we're talking about all these other things. It really did feel like the research was was dated and quite a, you know, does that make sense? Yeah, but I mean, whenever a new app comes out like Twitter or Facebook or whatever, people like just immediately assume that all of marketing is going to transition to that new channel. Yeah. And then and then you find out just how ineffective those things are after a while because in general, I mean, in Snapchat or or WhatsApp or whatever, they might be a little bit different because they are individuals communicating with other individuals, but then the question is how do you get your stuff in that stream, right? As a as a marketer yeah. or as an entity. But um, with Twitter and Facebook, just think about it. Like like Caleb started to say basically, if you're using Facebook or Twitter, Thousands and thousands of individual posts are flying by your stream every day. And the only way you're going to see one of those individually is if you happen to be there in front of the computer as that thing goes by, right? It's yeah. not like you're and scrolling Facebook, endlessly. If you're part of the 15% that post is even allowed to be seen by without paying for it too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there are all these these things, these barriers in the way. And on top of that, 
um, you know, with an email, you can send as much as you want. Basically, you can write the email as long as you want. With Twitter, it's 140 characters, so your headline has to be good enough to get someone to click on it to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have the stats from uh, Nathan Barry when he was talking about how he directly compared Twitter to email, the effectiveness of them? I was looking for it in a post and I couldn't find it. I don't know if I just heard it in an interview or a conversation or something, but it was something along the lines of anywhere from like 10 to 15 times uh, like higher conversion when trying to sell something. Right. So like an email subscriber is worth 10 to 15 times more on a sales basis than a Twitter follower. Right. And that's for his Twitter following. There are a lot of people who amass big Twitter followings by gaming the system and mm-hmm. the value of those is probably worth a hundred times less because they just, you know, most people get Twitter followers um, not in the organic way and they end up being worthless. So hold on. So let, let's, let's zoom back out a, a layer here. We're talking about social media because social media has been the, the trend for a very long time it, or for the last, you know, seven years and, and, but really only super seriously the last five. And it, they are, they, it are, is a big trend here. There is some. There are some waves being created by social media. Interesting ways that you can quote unquote engage with your audience, and that you can you know put your shitty product in front of an audience that doesn't want it. You know, you know. Um, but and and that, that's the paint a bleak picture because you can also. I mean, the reason why I, I'm right now I'm trying to learn a little bit more about Facebook and use it more. Like I just right right before I jumped on was making a an image for that uh, that the post you wrote Corbett on everybody wants to be a bodybuilder, but nobody wants to lift this heavy ass weight. <laughs> like my baby. Ain't nothing to it, but to do it. <laughs> That's pretty good. That. <laughs> I love that guy. Freaking Ronnie Coleman. So anyways, I made this little, little image and put some text on there. And, and I've been trying to do that more just to see what that looks like. The reason why I'm having to learn that is because I've been a Twitter guy for forever. I've fallen in love with Twitter today. I just engaged with Jeffrey Zeldman. On Twitter, like a guy that used that was that meant so much to me when I was learning how to code on the web, um, and a real big deal for a lot of us web designers. And we were just able to have like a little conversation, a little bit of favoriting back and forth. And because I I, I got really used to meeting and engage, I hate that word engagement. Now I'm using it more and more because I started it as a joke. But because I started getting to know people on Twitter, and then and then realizing I want to follow them or I don't want to or this that and the other, I like to look at the funny things coming out of Rob Delaney's mouth hole. I like to look at the I like to have all these designers and this that and the other. I started engaging in a in a social way with with these sorts of people, and then I met them at conferences, and there's real relationship forming there. It's really crazy. There's an amazing way to get to know people in social media. But as a, as a businessman, if I want, I, we do want to grow followership on Twitter, on Facebook, on these things. But from the beginning, for since you started at Corbett and all the way up to now, still the number one primary focus for us is getting people on the email newsletter, the email newsletter list or the subscription, just because it's such a better way to communicate with people. It's still the lowest common denominator of communication online. What I mean by that is everybody does it. If and if someone doesn't know how to do email, they are not part of our target audience. You know? So and take another shot. There's you know. Gosh, I'm still I'm still trying to learn you guys. You'll, Sorry. You can do it. You can do it. Hey, you should start counting the number of days between you knows. Try to see if you can get a hit two I'm days. I'm the last guy that notices though. I'm the last guy in the whole world that no I mean I probably said two hundred times before I just noticed that one. Um so the the I mean the cool thing about this conversation is you don't have to throw out Twitter and Facebook just because you're focusing on email. But what we want to encourage people to do is to look at email as probably the number one channel that they should be focusing on if they want to make direct sales to their customers yeah. um, using you know some, some sort of technology. Email is going yeah. to be the best for direct sales. That doesn't mean that you can create these relationships with all these different people and get on their radar like you're talking about. They're sort of for different purposes. And sure. Twitter's great for that stuff, and it's great yep. for just kind of seeing what people are thinking throughout the day and, and discovering new stuff. It's great for that. You don't get that over email because people don't email you 20 times a day like they tweet 20 times a day. Yeah, mm-hmm. and interestingly, I, I don't know if you Thank guys God. remember when, uh, I don't God. know if you remember when, when Twitter made this big change. Uh, it was not very long ago. I mean, it was like four or six months ago when they started emailing out uh, links that people in your audience were sharing or tweets that are sorry in, that were being favorited a lot by people that you follow. So this is Twitter. 
one of the sexiest social media companies ever. I mean, there's what there's like five of these things that have ever been all that sexy. And they're using email like a mother effort just to try to get more people using Twitter. This is instructive on the importance of email here. Right. The most successful, craziest, sexiest social startups are all still chained to email and using email as a way to get people to engage, quote unquote, more in their uh, on their system. And, and by the way, that was I don't know if you remember that because I do. I still get every one of those emails, and even when I don't want to, I open it up I'm like, okay, what did I miss? And I look at it. I'll find one link that I've been su- that it will be. I'll be like, I'm really glad I opened that email. Mm-hmm. I, that, and so it ends up being kind of valuable in a weird way. You wouldn't expect it to be. But but again, I think it's so instructive that this brand we're talking about, like Twitter versus email, Facebook versus email. Well, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, all of these, the thing that started this conversation, they're all using email to get people to use their right. service more because it's the lowest common denominator of communication on the internet. Yeah, I mean, you have to have an email account to sign up for Facebook or to sign up for Twitter, so. Yep, yep, absolutely. So I think what, we're, what we've said so far is, is we, the Fizzle guys, think you should be taking email very seriously. By all intents and purposes, if you're not already, please look into it because every one of the successful sort of internet people that we know, which, by the way, there's no difference between you know, making a sexful, sexful? There's no difference between making a sexful internet company or making a successful internet company <laughs> or or making a, a brick and mortar or some sort of, you know, fashion line or anything like that. All it means is connecting with people, making something that they would like, things like that. Email is one of those glues, one of those pipelines that you get to get in front of them and say, and surprise them with with something delightful and interesting honest vulnerable something that makes them feel more comfortable in their own skin something that makes them feel like for the first time in a long time hey maybe i'm not a piece of shit. something that can actually reach through the crap and like and create a little human connection through all the bits and bites and bibbles and robots on the web Email is amazing, the same way that a fireside conversation is amazing. So I would want people to try to see it that way instead of just, oh my God, email is just spam, this, that, and the other. Which, by the way, I don't know if this has been like this for you for a long time for you guys. Probably has. But email has just recently, for the first time ever, become like an issue for me. Having too much email, that I like more email than I can actually get to. It's because you're, I hope- you're... Getting all of those Twitter emails about things you're missing. <laughs> it's because of all those LinkedIn connections. So LinkedIn. many connections. <laughs> but uh, but no, it, it, you know everybody's always bitching about spam and this, that, and the other. And there's always been some spam. Gmail's filters have always been pretty good. But now it's the problem isn't spam. The problem is is for the first time, like I have an, a wide enough reach with with the things that we make where. There's more earnest people, like real humans that I would like to get back to emailing me than I can f- get back to in the way that I would like to. Right. You know, people sharing stories, people saying, man, I really love this post, really love this video. This was incredible. This made me think of this way or that way. The same way that I used to do to like a, to like a Merlin man or somebody, you know, so I, because I'm still so close to that moment, I, I don't want to just say wh- whatever, just not get back to these people. And I refuse to, to do that. But, uh, it has been, I've noticed like I have to work Saturday for at least two or three hours just to get through that, that stuff. So I don't know. It's interesting. But, and and I don't know if this is part of the conversation today, but that's why you have to kind of get ruthless about managing who you allow into your inbox, you know? Yeah. And, and that's also instructive about how the hurdle to get someone to sign up for your email list is a little bit higher than it is to get someone to follow you on Twitter or something because they might right. follow thousands of people on Twitter and in email they're only going to subscribe to a handful of different newsletters probably. I'd love to hear how many you to. guys are subscribed to. You don't have to say what they are, but how many? Mm. I the one that I read, the only one that I read is Stephen Pressfield, and I only read that on Wednesdays on Writing Wednesdays, unless I have a lot of time. Um, and half the time I just click that and instapaper that so that I can read it later. Um, that one I get, I've subscribed to a bunch of them, but then a long time ago, I filtered all of them into, into, you know, just to go bypass the inbox and go into some things so that occasionally so I'll you like, you can never read it. Okay. I'll never read it, <laughs> but I'll browse through it and, and just see what kind of headlines they're writing or what kind of things they're writing about. Or, you know, it's a, it's a definitely a useful, 
exercise for me just to see what others are looking or are, are writing about. But yeah. I don't put myself very close. I don't follow follow like with Stephen Pressfield. I'll follow everything he says. It's less and less so, but because just because it makes me take my work more serious it makes me more mindful about the work that i want to do and stuff you know I, and i do like i'll get the back to work uh podcast email but i'm so far behind on those that uh that i just it just gets deleted yeah i subscribe to like um i'd say three different kinds so there are just friends that i want to keep up with who have mm-hmm. businesses online that i just want to kind of know what they're up to so that when i chat with them on the phone i can say hey nice job i saw that you launch such and such. So there's yeah. a handful of friends, people that I like that I follow. Then there's some competitive intelligence that I do. You know, people, uh, you know, potentially competitors or just people who have a really great style of copywriting or something. And mm-hmm. I just want to kind of keep on top of what they're up to to kind of dissect it and yeah. reverse engineer it a little bit. I subscribe to a few of those, although fewer and fewer all the time. And then there are the legitimately valuable uh, newsletters that I want to subscribe to. And these are usually. Um, from service providers that we use, like for example, um, Intercom yeah. is a is a tool that we use, um, and I subscribe to their newsletter or Visual Website Optimizer. They have a great email newsletter just about different A/B tests that have happened um, and the results of those. So I try to subscribe to those because they they provide legitimate value, and I open those up and I learn something, and then I can apply it to our own business. Or they announce features or something. Like if Wistia comes out with a feature, I get those emails to know, oh, we can maybe try this out or something. Yep, yep. Caleb, what about you? I probably, it's the same kind of categories as Corbett. So there's three to five peers or friends, I would say, that I keep in touch with that way. And then like the same kind of services, like I follow Wistia and um, Intercom is one. Also, probably Stripe. And then... As far as like competitors and stuff, I don't really follow them because I try not to get totally caught up with what other people are doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what I, what's interesting is I, I'm do all the all the like I have a Feedly thing where I still subscribe to RSS feeds. I do the same thing. So, like, and that's that's I where I keep way my more friends. people for friends is in my RSS feed. But some yeah. people only do stuff through email, um, and they don't put it on their blog. And there's some people yeah. that do email stuff really well. And so yeah, I that's true. want to study how some of those people that are my friends do that and figure out ways to incorporate it into what Yeah, now do. that you mention it, there's two guys I've been I've been subscribed to recently that I've really enjoyed, and that's Justin Jackson that's and James, James Clear. Mm-hmm. So you're on Justin Jackson's list as well? Yeah, Brennan Dunn is another person that I'm on as well. Mm. Yeah, I think there, if there's it's interesting. A lot of the bootstrapper types are doing just emails. Um, I know Paul Jarvis does this as well. Mm-hmm. Just an email. Uh, on a Sunday morning, and I don't even think they publish that anywhere. Um, and it, I've been doing that too, just with my personal site for about a month and a half or two months, just yeah. once a week on Sunday. Email. I mean, you lose people. It's to be honest, the more you email, the more you're going to lose people. But yeah, but I, I feel used like to the do connection that. of having people reply to me and me reply right back, like later that weekend or Monday morning or something. There is a one-on-one connection with the people on your list now, instead of just yeah. you broadcasting blog posts and podcasts and stuff. Yeah, I used to do that every two weeks on Ice to the Brim is try to like just, hey, let's just write something to these people and, and then link to a couple things that I wrote that so, in the last couple of weeks. So this is like, this is a really interesting conversation because for people listening to this, this can be sort of the first step into understanding what you should be emailing people and how you might get them onto your email list. Because yeah. you can just look at the types of things you subscribe to, try to think back to why you subscribed originally, what brought you mm-hmm. to their site, what enticed you to get on that email list, what sorts of things have been sent to you, what value you've gotten from that, and um, if you unsubscribed, like what made you unsubscribe. Just you know, looking at your own behavior and at the way that other people interact with you when you're on their email list, just that, that's a great window into starting to figure out what you're going to offer. Yeah, I think one of the things that we've 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 said multiple times is this word value, and I, and I really want to find a different word for it. But this concept of providing value for people on your list or mm-hmm. whatever, right? Um, it, it's become so much of a buzzword. We don't even know what we're saying anymore. In some ways, at least for me, like, what do I really mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but thinking that way is what has started, was totally changed and supercharged email for me i think i don't know if i came up with it by myself or if i just saw someone doing it and i was like oh my goodness because email is a phenomenal tool 
when I get an email from Stephen Pressfield, and even if I don't read the whole thing, if I just read a little bit of it, it puts me back into that beating resistant, resistance mindset. And even if I don't remember anything else from the, from the post, even if it's not like something I learn and I ingest and it, it becomes a part of my DNA and, 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 and it affects my strategy for my business that day and month and year, even if it doesn't do any of that, if it just for a split second makes me aware again that I am on a mission to defeat my own resistance, to, uh, to shape the world in whatever way that I, whatever, the things that I want to be reminded of, you know, mm-hmm. that is so freaking valuable. And email, because of its nature of, I ping, you, you send one thing out, it lands in my inbox, all right? And now I have to deal with this thing. I mean, our, our, in our email list goes, it, we lose how many people every week? We lose like 200 people every time we send out an email, you know? Because people are, 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 just deciding not to be on it. But that list is getting stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and, and becoming more and more and more and more in tune with who we are, resonant with our frequencies and the kinds of things that we're about and, and the kinds of businesses that we want to help people create. You know, so this, the, the, what, what's happening is the slow, strong gathering of people around it, ideas. Like for me with Stephen Pressfield, it's this idea of overcoming resistance, of doing my best creative work, of being somebody that I don't hate, you know, at the end of the day. These things are what he represents to me. Uh, and it, that, and he, I don't care about him. I care about those ideas because I care about staying married and I care about doing good work, <laughs> you know? And I think if we could look at, at our audience that way, take a shot, I just said, you know, if we could look at our audience that way and say, they don't care about me and they're not supposed to because they're good people. You know, they have other things going on. They have moms dealing with cancer. They have, they have dogs that, that, that are, won't be potty trained, you know, that are, they have kids that are, and wives and this, that, and the other. And they have businesses they want to build. They have things they want to do, or they have yoga they want to get used to, or whatever your business is, right? You've got to, you've got to help those people. You have got to get in front of them and say, listen, you shake them by their shoulder and you say, you, life is too valuable, too important for you to spend another day on your ass or whatever it is that your message is, right? Your message might be, I'm telling you, you guys, <laughs> solar panels are the future. Get in now <laughs> or whatever. I don't know what your message is, but email can be a, an amazing tool if you can get into your audience mindset and realize what it's like to have too many things in my inbox, too many things that I want to do with my life, too many ways in which I've let myself down. And you can help me around a very specific targeted focus, you know, thing that you do, then help me see it as a channel that, that you have to be in. And this will be my last thing. And then I want to shut up for a little bit. (laughs) I really do. Um, I really, I haven't read the book, Jab, 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 Right Hook, but I've watched a bunch of interviews with Gary Vaynerchuk recently. His latest book is Jab, 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 Right Hook. And I watched a bunch of interviews with him, and I got to be honest, I've learned a ton from just the basic precept of that book, which essentially is each of these, well, I guess the basic precept is you got to give, 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 give. That's the jab, and then the right hook is the ask. But then the other thing is, let these social networks be what what they need to be. You don't treat Instagram the same way that you treat Twitter, the same way that you treat Flickr, the same way that you treat email, the same way that you treat Snapchat. Understand what each one of these things is. Make a decision if you're going to engage on that channel or not, and then be in that channel. And that's why I'm doing the Facebook images, because I'm realizing we, I'm just auto-tweeting from our Twitter account and doing that. The same is true for email. What is email. What does, an, what does a great email want to be? And what does a person on the other side, someone that might be subscribed to your email list, what do they really want? What, do they, what, 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 what experience with email have you had that's been delightful, interesting, encouraging, that's helped you either giggle or, uh, or, or recognize your own humanity and be okay with it, love yourself a little bit more, take action where you were just sitting on your ass before? Email provides a really powerful tool to be able to do that. And I guess I want I want people to listen to the show to start thinking about it th- that way. Yeah, but in order to do email right, you you just mentioned you know that you have to treat each channel like its own thing, and you're not going to do email right if you just try to apply Twitter to it, or if you try to treat email like just another outlet for your blog posts. Right? Totally. There's mm-hmm. 
there are a lot of different things that you have to do in each channel to make each of them work. And you can only expect to do one at a time well, or to figure out one at a time, and then over time layer on other ones and how to do those well. But you're going to have to think of email as a project. Just like if you're going to launch a new product uh, or start a new blog or whatever, if you want to do email right, and if you want to grow a strong, thriving, engaged list of people who are getting value from what you're putting out and who are likely to take it to the next step with you, whatever that is, then you're going to have to dedicate a lot of time to figuring out how to do email right. And that's really what this whole month is about, right? Next yeah. next week, we're going to talk about growing your email list, what it takes to actually you know, get people to subscribe because a lot of people listening to this may have an email list already and they get you know one person a day or a few people a week to subscribe to it and they don't know how to get more people on that list and we're going to show them how sort of systematically you can figure out a really great strategy for getting people to subscribe to your list. But you are going to have to make it a project and really focus on it. Yeah, you're right. So I would say my first point is like I hate again. I hate this jargon, but provide value, Caleb. How can I how can I say that better, Caleb? Do you have an, any idea how, how I could say that better? Besides value, I mean, I always use inspire, entertain, or educate. Like those are the three types of things you can do with mm. the dreaded word content. Mm, I like that. So, it, so the first step it, it, to me. And I want to get into it really quickly here in a second. Like, what are the email providers we can choose from? How can someone get started? You know, but but I'd say the first mindset thing is, how are you going to delight the people in your audience? How are you going to educate, inspire, or entertain them? You could totally send them an, a link to somebody else's thing that they would never have found potentially if it really solves their problem. If it really, really is like a salve for their itchy, uh, you know, the the make something valuable for people's bum bums. That whole thing. I almost said bumhole, which sounds worse than bums by a lot. By a lot, like bumhole sounds worse than. Bumhole. One of my favorite things that Chase does is almost say something, and then he says, "I almost said yeah, this I thing," almost and said then it. he says it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> that's good. So that's my first thing is 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 get into the mindset of how do I, how can I really delight people on the other side of my emails. Then the second, then the next stuff is let, let's talk about email providers. Now, Corbett, we've had like a long history with these. Do you want to tell the story of how we move from one to the other to the other? Yeah, and just to just to not leave people hanging too much. When you say you just basically said, make sure you're valuable and then you moved on to email providers. We're going to cover It's easy. It's easy stuff. It's real simple. We're going to cover all that next week. We're not going to be vague about it. We're going to show you we're going to talk about specific kinds of value that different email lists provide and why you might sign up and what people could offer themselves. Um, okay, so email providers. <laughs> um, we now use MailChimp essentially exclusively to manage our email lists, and um, that means a whole lot of different things. We use MailChimp to send blog broadcast type emails, where you know if somebody subscribes to our uh, Sparkline list, then they end up getting blog posts from us, or at least links to blog posts. We send yeah. um, member announcements for everyone that's in Fizzle. We use MailChimp to do that. Basically, in most cases, when we're going to communicate with people um, over email, we're using MailChimp, although we do use Intercom as well, and I guess we can talk about that a little bit. But the big question that people probably have is, well, wait a second, I thought you guys used AWeber, or at least people who have known us for a couple of years might be asking that question because we actually made a fairly big stink a couple of years ago when we switched from MailChimp to AWeber, and now we've switched back from AWeber to MailChimp. So we started using MailChimp like most people because they had a free plan. And that free plan is is pretty awesome because it allows you to use MailChimp for a number of months, actually, until your email list is up to 2,000 subscribers or until you need to send more than 12,000 messages per month. So that actually works for a lot of people for quite a while when they're just getting started. Um, and it get, lets you try out MailChimp and realize the value before you have to pay for it, which is pretty cool. And that's why we signed up initially. But then there were a few things that we wanted to do, specifically with our list at Think Traffic, that we couldn't exactly accomplish with MailChimp. The biggest one 
was that we wanted to implement this thing we called the traffic toolbox, which was a way to continually add to the things that we were including in our giveaway for people who signed up at Think Traffic. So we had this thing called the Traffic Toolbox, and um, every you know so often we would add something new to that, and then we would put it in our little subscribe box. We would say, "Hey, sign up for uh, updates from us, and you'll get free access to the Traffic Toolbox, which includes." these you know, three or four or five different items in there, and we would swap them out and try different things. And um, that ended up being really effective for us, but we couldn't implement it with MailChimp directly, at least back then, partly because when someone who was already on our list, uh, when we wanted to give them an update to the traffic toolbox, we wanted just to let them go and enter their email address in our box again, and then direct them to the traffic toolbox page if they were already subscribed. So it was sort of a uh, like a weak password kind of thing to let them in. But with Mailchimp, what ended up happening was they just got a really ugly error message saying you were already subscribed, and that was sort of annoying to us at the time. So we decided to look around, and a Weber actually allowed us. They had a parameter that said if someone's already subscribed, do this with them instead of giving them an error message, and we were able to direct them over to our traffic toolbox. So that was kind of what started us looking into AWeber, um, and we knew a lot of other people that used AWeber, and so you know, there's always this kind of grass is always greener syndrome when you're using different services online, and um, we ended up just moving towards AWeber over time. And managing email lists in two different places is kind of a pain in the ass. So we actually migrated everything to AWeber and used them for a couple of years. Wouldn't you say, Caleb? You were, we were probably using AWeber when you came on with me already, right? Yeah, we were already using it, and we ended up using it for another couple of years before we made the full switch just recently. So, and, and AWeber was fine. I mean, they're a decent service, um, but the, uh, the service started to um, let us down in a number of ways, mostly around the user interface. So AWeber never had a really great user interface. In fact, I remember the first time that I tried to use it, um, I was sort of appalled by the user interface. Just It was kind of hard to figure out. It looked like it was from the 90s, but I kept moving forward because I wanted to use these different features that they had. So we kind of got used to the user interface, and then a few times over the past couple of years, they've tried to make things better. But instead of doing a ground-up refresh, they've kind of bolted on some things that they think makes the user interface better, but it's clear that they don't have people on their staff who really know how to make usable software. And they end up making things a little bit worse. And that, I think, after they did a couple of those things, that's about the time that Chase came on. And... Um, from the very beginning, Chase, I remember you just like your eyes started to bleed when you were using a Weber. Oh God! Right? Oh God! It was the worst. It, it was the worst. It was the worst, and and I started to agree with you. In fact, I remember um, being at the WDS conference a couple of years ago, right after a Weber had made one of these big sweeping UI changes, which made it really hard to compose new messages, and it made it really hard to format things because they were trying to force you into a almost like a WYSIWYG, you know, what you see is what you get design experience, and you couldn't yep. just get into the code directly, and it made it really hard to make things look like we wanted it to, and I, I remember talking to the AWeber uh, people who were there and actually kind of laying into them for a good 10 or 15 minutes or so. The first time I met them, I felt kind of bad about it. Yeah. Um, but, but I remember a lot of people were doing that, um, actually talking to them about how bad it was, and at the same time, MailChimp started getting better and better. They started introducing all kinds oh, of yeah. new features, and they ended up really focusing on their API. And this is a little bit advanced for people, but if you have some software development skills or you know someone who can help out, an API is an application programming interface which allows you to do all kinds of cool things. Basically, anything you want to do with MailChimp, you can do if you know how to write a little bit of software. And when it came time to basically merge everything in, into Fizzle, which is what we did with Think Traffic a while back, we started looking more and more into MailChimp, driven by Chase, mostly wanting to make really gorgeous looking emails and to be able to do everything from a design perspective that we wanted to do. And then as we moved the blog from Think Traffic over to the Sparkline, I started looking at the API and just realized how powerful it was and how we could actually do anything that we wanted to essentially with MailChimp at this point. So that's why we moved over, and um, I'm really happy we did, actually, because now 
with segmentation, we actually just maintain pretty much one list and it ends up being cheaper for us. It ends up um, making it so that we can see a complete picture of what each customer is subscribed to and the way that we've interacted with them. And um, MailChimp's UI is hands down the best in the email industry. It's just gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, real quick, I want you to maybe clear up a little bit on on what you mean by segmentation. But yeah. my, my take on it is is that it is that Mailchimp is just product people and and Aweber are not. They don't know how to make. They're they're not. They're trying. I think they're trying real hard, and they're good people. They're business people. They know how to make money, and uh, and they don't. Have, same thing with Pod uh, or Libsyn. Like they're just not product people. They don't know how to make a, a great experience using a piece of software. They're not out there to change the world. They're out there to, to help people put together little little email campaigns and make make money in the meantime. Um, the way that and Mailchimp, like I've sent, subsequently got like you just fall in love with the company, with who they are, with who the founder is, um, with their ideas about what the internet is and what what email is for. Like they they represent so much, and Aweber has never been able to even have a dialogue on that level. Um, and so I'm, I'm the, you know, I'm the ballerina cheerleader type and that, that won me over. I think I could have made anything that I wanted to in email at Aweber. It just would have just, I, I would be less of a man. I would be about half my size. And if you're not a designer, the templates they have built in are really easy to just tweak a little bit and put your own touch on them. Cause they have all the sizing there and you can just drop your images in. I mean, that's all I did for my email list, and I just recently switched mine to Mailchimp from Aweber. Also, yeah, yeah, and so you know, at this point, um, we have changed our tune. There's, I don't believe there's any reason why someone shouldn't use Mailchimp at this point. There aren't any features holding you back by using Mailchimp, and on top of that, you get to use Mailchimp for free for as long as it takes to build your email list to two thousand subscribers yeah. or more, and you're getting. Uh, I think we said this a couple of weeks ago. You're really getting like the Ferrari of services in the email world for free. Um, they're they're giving you a little taste because they know that it's like cocaine, and you're going to love it once you start using it. Yeah. And um, okay, going back to you mentioned segments, and just real quick, can you give some people the give us some ideas of the kinds of segments that we have in our on our list? Yeah. So Mailchimp's idea is that essentially for each business or you know major project or whatever that you run, you should only have one email list. And Aweber thinks about things differently. Um, in most cases, at Aweber, you're going to end up creating a new list for for each. Uh, little sub project or whatever it is that you're working on. So um, with Mailchimp, the concept is that you have a subscriber is a subscriber is a subscriber, and they're on your list. And then depending on where they signed up or how you interact with them, you just set different flags on the customer account, and then you can build segments or different sorts of queries. Um, if you come from the database world, to get a picture of all the people on your list who are, for example, members of your membership site or all the people who have purchased something from you. So each person is only represented once, whereas with Aweber, you would have a list for buyers, you you would have a list for blog subscribers, and those people are essentially duplicated between those lists. Um, it's not necessarily a horrible thing within Aweber because you can email everybody that's on different lists and things like that. But the big downside is that you end up paying for all those duplicate subscribers with Aweber. Whereas with Mailchimp, if you use segments like you're supposed to, um, then you end up having a lot fewer total subscribers on your list because each person is represented once. And it, it can yeah. be really powerful too because with the guide that I just launched, I have three different tiers and I set it up using Gumroad. And Zapier, which is like an integration uh, software uh, that where you link up Mailchimp and Gumroad together. So when someone buys, whether they're on my list already or they're not on my list, they get added to the list. They get put into a group specifically for buyers, and then within that, there's another level that says which level that they bought. So I could email just the people that bought the book with upgrade options to go to the next two tiers, or you know the other way around. So. When, once you start integrating all this stuff like we do with Fizzle, for we have Fizzle members that get the Sparkline emails, but they are also members. So they get member emails, but we don't have to have separate lists like we used to have in Aweber. We used to have a list for Traffic School interest and Traffic School members and Traffic School um, you know, members in the most current session. And then we'd have Starbucks of the Matters members. And we had, I don't know, 15 lists at one point, Corbett? Yeah. So... 
it's just nice to have it all together and to not have duplicates and to have it just easy to like to be take able to run someone the same- off of a list automatically when they leave Fizzle or they go do whatever. They can unsubscribe from very specific things instead of everything all yeah. at once. Yeah, I mean, there's just there's a lot of reasons why it makes it more powerful. You know, I mean, you could you could you could say, show me everybody from these two lists, but not those two lists that sub- that subscribed within this month or that month because I need to send them this up update. Whereas in Aweber, you'd have to do that for each individual list, basically. or you have to pull you know, out something into Excel and start doing some pivot tables and all that sexy yeah. stuff. So the point the point is, I mean, for me again, the the reason why I like Mailchimp is because it was always the designer's pick. We all we, we there was no one else we ever talked about as people on the internet that I followed because their Mailchimp was supporting the internet like 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 nobody else it was they were sponsoring every podcast they were making fun things on the online they were the ones that a lot of the guys chose back then and so uh, so for me they were the they had the first mover advantage and all my heroes liked him. And then the story was just so good. And now as a product guy as a guy who uses software to make money on the internet I I just we could have totally made Aweber work for us, you know. I I really want to state that, but I kept bitching about it because because it just felt like it wasn't thought through, it wasn't cared for. This product was just an abysmal. The same way I feel about Libsyn right now. Gosh, I just understand. I don't understand how you how you can't hire like a, a decent developer and give him some or a designer and give him some some rain to say like that's not what this button's for this button's for that this button's for that then the user needs to do x y and z so why is this all screwed up this way you know and these are hard problems to solve so i'm not trying to be you know just shitty for shitty's sake i guess so what i want to do is uh, i mean let's do a quickie on where where we would how how to get started and then let's jump into like a bonus little like you know quick fire thing on our inbox tips which you mentioned previously corbett just like a, how important it is to to understand and control what what kind of people have access to your inbox how you manage that kind of stuff uh and things like that so if you were going to tell someone to get started with mailchimp corbett what would you tell them someone you know your, your average fizzler i've got a blog up i really need to get the email i'm taking your advice i'm, I'm going with mailchimp what do i need to do uh, well, first of all, you know, sign up for an account. It's free with Mailchimp, obviously. Create a list and think about what that list is going to be for, and what sort of value that you're going to provide to people. The most basic thing, which we talked about before, would be just to um, to be able to send uh, blog posts out via email. That's something really easy yeah. that you can implement. You can have something in your sidebar that says "Get updates from us." And then you can set up a campaign, and campaign is just a term for uh, you know a set of emails that you're going to send out either once or on a recurring basis. You can set up a campaign known as a blog broadcast um, or an RSS to email campaign, which basically takes your blog posts whenever you create a new one and then sends it out to your entire list. So that's probably the most basic way you can get started. However, don't expect that you're going to put that little sign-up box in your sidebar and suddenly be flooded with hundreds of people signing up. It's going to take more than that, and that's what we're going to talk about next week when we really get into how to grow your email list, what the different strategies are for getting people to really want to sign up for your email list. Yeah, and I found an article on MailChimp about how to add a MailChimp sign-up form to a WordPress blog, and so I'll put that in the show notes for you. I would actually say maybe even an easier way to do it, but then I, I, okay. So this is there's a caveat. Wait for the caveat because um, the RSS thing in, in Mailchimp. I wish it was easier. I wish they made that because you got to understand it's a campaign. You got to understand it's RSS. You got to understand RSS has some limitations, but there but it is powerful. That's how we send our thing out. Uh, it's it's RSS automatically. I'm kind of envious of the guys who get to you know. Write. They don't have a publishing calendar. They write whenever they want to, whenever they have something to write. They write a big thing, and then uh, they write their blog post, and then they'll write like a custom email, sort of, sort of pimping that blog. Like Derek Halpern does this, or, or even James uh, James Clears. I think is is being broadcasted. I think um, uh, Pat Flynn does this, where you don't get an email for every single post that they these guys write you get basically just whenever they want to send an email, they do something very customized just for their list to send that particular email as opposed to what we do, which is a regulated every Tuesday morning, we publish a blog post, which means the email goes out at 9 a.m. And we're playing around with the time on that. Uh, So it might be different in the future. But every Tuesday and every Friday, we ship a blog post and a podcast respectively. 
and you're going to get an email about those. And it's a, and it's a, it's, I think it's the most beautiful email for a template I've ever seen. Um, and I don't know why I'm able to say that because I made it and normally I would be more self-conscious than that, but I, it's what I wanted to see in an email so badly. Unfortunately, we can't customize based on what, what's going out this week or that way, that week, you know, unless we got in there and rejiggered things and then changed it in a little bit. But, um, but it's great because it gets our audience into it, it, you know people rely on that that's they, like we are some people's Stephen Pressfield the way that I feel about getting that email every Wednesday is the way that they feel about getting our email every Tuesday and Friday and so that's a good place to be and I hope it, we've we've certainly seen a lot of a lot of uh, activity on the blog since we've updated that template and since we've you know we've all, email email's always been an important part but that's another way to get started is you just sign up and then you just start shipping emails you know just customized based on things so i don't know caleb would you have anything to add Yeah, my little piece of advice would be first offer something for someone to sign up for your email list if you're not getting any subscribers have some sort of downloadable thing some bonus thing that they get and uh, build some trust that way because you know people are going to be more enticed to do so and another thing is if you're launching a product that's another great way to build your email list because people will sign up to be notified or to get free chapters or free videos or what have you. Yeah. So you, you don't need to wait until your list is at 100 or 1,000 or 10,000 to do whatever you're going to do. Don't have those those metrics keep you from launching a product or trying to reach out to book publishers or launch your podcast or whatever. Don't have your email list count like matter too much. Yeah. Okay, let's jump into some inbox tips. These are these are things that we do personally uh, to to manage email because we get, like I mentioned, I now have more email than I can that I'd like to get to than I'm able to. Um, so I'll start. We'll kind of go into the round just one at a time. The first thing is I just recently got back into reading a handful of posts that one of my heroes, Merlin Mann, wrote a while ago on Inbox Zero, which is a thing he started. Uh, as an idea about email a long time ago, and that sub- subsequently has turned into a lot of things that he doesn't really like. Um, but the original articles are just incredible. They're really great. They will make you look at email in a way that you're like, oh my God, that's right. That is true. I, <laughs> you, you didn't really think about it that way before. And so what I'm going to do is in show notes, I'm going to have a link to the main uh, Inbox Zero sort of category for him and, and there's a bunch of, of of posts in there that i would totally recommend reading they're very short and sweet and good including the original inbox zero talk that he gave at google a long time ago um yeah inbox com has those things yeah yeah so it, that's my first tip is is inbox inbox zero uh corbett where would you what would, what's your first tip um my first tip would be to get ruthless about unsubscribing from everything you can and set set your bar higher in terms of the amount of value that an email needs to bring to you in order for it to uh, remain in your subscription list. There's probably a ton of shit that people waste time on every day or that you constantly just delete over and over again for weeks or months at a time before you realize, like, what the hell am I doing? Why am I just deleting this every time? Why does it belong in my inbox? Why not unsubscribe from it? It doesn't mean mm. that you can't, you know, keep up with those people or whatever uh, businesses or whatever they are by, you know, checking out their site once in a while or if it, you know, happens to to dawn on you to check them out. But otherwise, just unsubscribe from as much stuff as you can to clear up your inbox for stuff that really matters. Mm, good one. Caleb? Mine would actually be a tool that will help you do what Corbett is talking about. It's called unroll.me. And what it does is you connect it to your Gmail account. Most people are probably using Gmail. And it goes through and it just looks at all the different things that you're subscribed to that have like an unsubscribe button. And you can just go one by one and be like, I don't need this anymore. Don't need this anymore. Don't need this anymore. And I mean, it'll tally them all up, put them in different categories. And then what you can do for those when you're all done, let's say you had 100 and you unsubscribe from like 80 of them, those remaining 20, you can make it so you get one email a day that summarizes all 20 of those things. So instead of wow. getting 100 emails or 20 emails a day, you get one, you can quickly read through it, and it's not uh, bothering you throughout the day when you're checking your email to do work stuff. Nice. Are you using it, Caleb? Yeah, I used it a while ago and I get way less email. And I don't even use the new three-tabbed Gmail system where you have, I don't know, promotions, 
I can't yeah. remember the other one. Social is one. Yeah, yeah Updates, primary. Yeah. yeah, I just have one inbox, and I just don't get emails like this anymore. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I don't use I don't use the the tab thing too. I don't, I don't know if I ever opt that after ever opted out or anything, but it's never really been a thing. I do have urgent and important or whatever important and unimportant. Mm-hmm. It segments that way, but uh, just on top and on bottom. That's a good one. Unroll that me. Okay, I'm going to check that one out. Okay, my th- my second is text expander. Okay, two things. Um, number one is just this principle of being aware of what's coming in, kind of like the way, Caleb, you're aware of how many of these things you're getting and you see the kind of simplification that Unroll.me is doing for mm-hmm. you. Um, and sometimes you weren't even aware beforehand until you see how many things it's, it's you know, putting, squashing right. together for you. Um, but there's, this is a common theme in any, any sort of getting work done on a, in a digital environment for me is this awareness of what's happening. And for me, it, it's bunches of common responses. Bunches of, of common responses that I could, I could t- totally with Text Expander, you know, highlight their name, copy it, and then go, bleep. Mm-hmm. And, and what it does is it, is it, spits out this when i type in you know dot you know colon com guest post or whatever something like that it's a it's a it's a thing that goes out to everybody who, re- who requests I, I would like to write a guest post it's like oh man i really love to someday take a look at this but right now we're we're, we're too booked up and we've, we've got other things going on but i call them by name two times it's taken me and it takes me a second to do that to create a really great you know like response where i actually call them by name where i get to their question or this that and the other being aware of common responses is a way for me to still be human in my email not a way not i I would would argue the opposite of oh look you're not even you're not even being the human you're just being a robot i would say i would argue the opposite it allows me to be human to more people um because the the demand on me is much bigger than the supply at this point in as my inbox is is defining it so using text expander for that and i actually did put a, a post up this week on ice of the brim for just this quickie little text expander expander snippet for that'll take you to the gmail compose window uh without your inbox because i i oftentimes will go into in my inbox to like write an email and i'll try and i'll like forget to even write that email because i'll get sucked into i don't know another linkedin request or some other piece of crap or someone's some fire that's actually urgent and important that to be honest would have put itself out but now i'm involved you know so uh, so being able to write without seeing the inboxes is a little link i'll put that in the show notes it's just a, a special link for gmail if you use it corbett you got another yeah that's a good one i keep that that link around actually as well it's just one of my bookmarks um yeah. And uh, there are times of the day where I'm like, I'm not going to do email right now because, you know, I, how many times do you go to look something up in email and then it's 10 minutes later and you're like, what the hell was I working on? Oh, my God. Every single time. That, like, and we're not, none of us are saying it. Like, you've got to close your email tab. If you have Gmail or whatever, close your email thing. Do not get notifications and go in there whenever you schedule it. Say, I'm going to go in there at 10 o'clock and I'm going to be there for an hour. I'm going to set my timer. Because these are all things that are trying to get at you. They're clawing through the, through whatever. And because they found your inbox, all of a sudden, you're going to react as if this is important to you. It's as important to you as, as, I don't know, I don't know, the person in the next room. When it's just not. But it feels that way. Like on a DNA level, in my guts, I just find myself just waiting. Like, just like you said, I accidentally just spent two hours just going through email and all this stuff. And this totally could have waited. Yep. And it got in the way of something that was actually important. All right, keep going. All right, and this will just be my last one. I'm not a super uh, email tip guy, but uh, here's another one. <laughs> um, save email for later in the day on days when you really want to get work done. Don't just open up your inbox and mindlessly start going through the day because that starts you out in a very reactive situation, which generally is not the way to get real progress made on whatever it is that you're working towards. So instead, wake up, uh, start planning your day out and the things that you want to get done and then jump right into the work and save email for, you know, after lunch or something after you've actually put in a few solid hours of work. Yeah, that's a good one. That's uh, that's something we've been doing is is where uh we only do things that are going to be publishable for the first couple hours in the day and then checking email afternoon. Yep. You and I, we all kind of started doing that for a while and and it and it really does it's the difference between what do I want to do today and just getting caught up answering the question of everybody else asking, what are you going to do for me today? Right. You know, that's what your inbox is, is people saying, what are you going to do for me today? And when you go in there without any 
sort of rubric or structure you're going to get. You're going you're gonna to do a lot of things that maybe weren't that important. Caleb, you got another one? Yeah, keyboard shortcuts for Gmail have been a huge thing for me because I can get yeah. into my email, get all it done, and then get out of there a lot faster. Um, I have it auto-archive when I send an email so that I don't have that extra step either. So I just go to the oldest email and open it up, deal with it, send archive, go to the next one, send archive, and it just automatically keeps opening up the next one. And some of that stuff is in labs, I think, in the Gmail settings. But the combination of send archive together, opening up the next email, and having shortcuts to tab between what you're doing just makes email that much easier. Mm. So we, we really got to gotta run. So what I'm going to do is I'm not actually going to put all these in. I'm going to collect all of these. I know you have more, Caleb, and I have a handful more, Like the unless I hear differently and stuff like that. Um, uh, a handful of others, an auto-response one that I really love. But uh, what I'll do is I'll put those in a post because it'll take me some time. I won't put it in the show notes for this episode. I'll put it in a, in a separate post. So if you're not on the on the email, let's get on that and we'll, you'll, you'll get one of these beautiful email templates we've been talking about. Um, because they're, I mean, I don't know. Caleb, you're a lot like me. Corbett, you did geek out at inbox stuff at some point. I mean, you certainly have ideas about it. But I mean, I spent so many times tweaking and, and tips and tricking and life hacking my, my inbox things. And to be honest, like you said, like the Gmail shortcuts, incredible. And now, and I get into an app where I can, where I can like traverse between different like items like Asana or Intercom or anything like that. And if they don't have the JK Gmail things, or like E for for archiving you know stuff, yeah. archiving and stuff, or O for open. If they don't have that, like I am frustrated. <laughs> the the Gmail shortcuts have really changed every. They they're so quick. So, anyways, the, expect that post coming out soon with just a handful of these of these tips and tricks that we do on on email. Okay, boys, uh, I felt like that was uh, that was a pretty good first episode of March, huh? I think so. Well, oh. we shouldn't be the judge. To be honest, we do this show exists for its own joy. We this is us. We're being together talking about inboxes because we'd be doing that anyway, wouldn't we? <laughs> no, we wouldn't. Though we have on occasion. So, uh, anyways, I have been Chase Wardman Reeves. I've been Corbett Barr, and I've been Caleb Logic. I will see you there. I will see you on another time. By the way, John Lee Dumas emailed. He's he's he just out of the blue. He's he like, told he, me this he the other day. Go ahead. And I was so confused. He's like, he's like, I'll see you in the fizzle for the sign off. And I was like, what, what? Because I know he was filming a course with you. And I'm like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Does, are you okay? Do you smell toast right now? Um, and, and he's like, for the sign-off. And it just is always such a treat for me. to remember. So, John, for you, I'm kissing you through the airwaves. Just the idea that you're listening brings me hope and solace. Um, I, I, but I'm sticking with, I'll see you there. I'll see you another time. Because you got to send me something better than that, John. I, I, stick, I don't really like that one. Um, and if you haven't seen John's shark killer pictures, you really got to see this stuff. It's a metaphor about life. He'll tell you about it soon. See you guys. So there you have it. John's shark pics, Merlin's video, and that excellent Gary Vaynerchuk video I mentioned are all gathered together for you at fizzleshow.co slash 44. F-I-Z-Z-L-E show.co slash 44. Hey, if you like this, leave us an honest rating in iTunes. It doesn't cost you much. It takes a couple seconds. means the world to us. Uh, just look for The Fizzle Show in the iTunes store. You'll find it. Here's a review from Lion Sema in Canada. Lion says, smart, helpful, and periodically adorable. What's not to love? Very thoughtful and interesting podcast for anyone trying to make a go of online business. And they make me laugh. Thank you, Lion. We're glad. It's our. It's my dream to make you laugh. Thanks for the review up there in Canada. Hope you're staying warm. It's a new month, a new topic, new ideas, new work. Let's get into this month. No matter how hard it gets or how hot it gets, rest in the company of good friends. And remember, you are not alone. Find care, take care, serve hard, and dig in. Thanks. I'll talk to you next Fizzle Friday. <laughs>